message of prodigy oh i love you all right let's pray father this is your time to say what you have to say god all i'm gonna do is repeat your word because it's your word that's sharper than any two-edged sword it's your word that goes into the innermost parts of our heart and begins to do the surgery to root out and cut out all the stuff that shouldn't be there it's your word that will accomplish every single task that you've called it to, Father. And during this message, I pray that you would illuminate the eyes of their understanding. Lord, that this is not a complicated message, Lord, that you told the story in parables because understanding it was more important than being a magician with words. And Father, I thank you that truths would be born in hearts today and that you would mobilize an exceedingly great army out of this place to go and not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. And everyone who says, I'm ready to do this, say, I'm ready. ready. Amen. You may be seated. Awesome. Now let's do this. I have a Bible and it's old school on paper. And I just feel like some of you in this place don't have a Bible and need one. And, and maybe, or you have one that you don't understand. It's in a weird translation. I've been, I've been preaching a lot out of the message version. And I actually just bought a couple cases of them. And I have them here. And we have our hosts who are standing by who actually want to give you a Bible if you need a Bible. So if you need a Bible, we have them for free. If you just lift your hand up, they'll come around and give you a Bible. So if you need one, just, just hold your hand up right now real quick. We've got a couple people in the audience. So just keep your hand up as the hosts come by, and they will make sure that you get a Bible, and you can write your name in it and take it home. And you'll be surprised at how easy it is to read and understand the message version because it's in conversational English, and uh, that's all right. And, you know, we're not going to argue or fight over translations. I say read the one you're actually going to read, all right? And then we'll sort out the other stuff. And the last thing I want to say, like my man Carl Lentz, is that there's no shame in the table of contents. I had somebody tell me, you know, hey, it was hard to keep up with you last Sunday because you were kind of flowing through scriptures, and I don't know the Bible. There's 66 books that comprise this book here. And, And if you're not sure how to flip through each one of them like a ninja, this is not a competition. You can take down notes. And I will say this. We've got custom V1 notebooks on the way, too, because I've noticed you guys are note takers, and we love note takers. We love that. And those are on their way, and we're going to give you guys those as well. So you can take notes through the week and then um, go review them and take it deeper. There's some guys in this church right now who will take something that I say on a Sunday morning and and turn it into, like, a theological book. And I love that. I absolutely love that. In a couple months, we're going to start meetups. And I would love for some of you guys to actually have a meetup at your house where you take what I'm speaking on Sunday and you go a little bit deeper with people who are like, hey, and how many of you know that the best swimming pools have both a deep end and a shallow end, right? 
Because there are people who will die in the deep end, and there are people who need to have some place to start. And we want to be a church that has both. And so if you're like, man, you know, th- this time with Mike is not enough to feed me for the week. Well, it, well, hallelujah, you're figuring it out. That's not God's plan for you to only hear his word one time a week for 25 minutes, right? And some of you guys in this place are going to be empowered to take the scriptures deeper every week and extend the conversation a couple months from now. So I pray that God stirs that desire up in your heart. Well, let me just tell you a fun story. So I was born and raised. Now, I've got our jerseys on, right? So we're going to jump into it. Now, I'm not really a Braves fan, but I've got some really special friends in this room who almost made the decision to go to Atlanta before God changed it and said, no, 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 you're supposed to be at V1 Church. <laughs> so I wore the jersey for them. But, but we're all wearing our jerseys today, and we're going to get into this last message of Prodigy, and this series has been awesome. But I was born and raised in the south side of Chicago. So if you're ever like, why does he get so hood? I thought he was a hillbilly. Well, I got a little bit of something extra in me too, okay? And, and on the south side, you know, for whatever reason, no matter how good the White Sox are, their games are only $7 because nobody shows up. And it's like this shameful thing, right? So I grew up going to $7 White, White Sox games. And that was really where I spent, like, that's, you know, and and here, let me back up. If you are not a sports fan in this place, that's okay. I got messaged by a ton of artists who were like, but I like the paint swirls, and I like to just feel it when I'm in church, and I don't have a, (laughs) people are raising their hand, that's me. Um, But we've got our jerseys on today because the title of this message that I'm going to preach this morning is Home Field Advantage. And we're going to be starting a new message series next month that's actually going to be called I Heart My Church. And it's going to be exciting, and you're joining the dream team. But anyways, being born and raised in the south side of Chicago, I was used to every single time the White Sox did something right, the stadium would erupt. Now, fast forward, and I've got this guy who actually gives me tickets to a Yankees game who lives in Chicago. So he's like, Pastor Mike, you made a huge impact on my life and my son's lives. And we know you're a Sox fan, and you're always talking about how you never get to go to a game. So we're gonna, I'm going to actually hook you up with a White Sox and Yankees game. So this happened a couple weeks ago, right? So I'm like, man, God is good. Amen. I receive it, Neil. His name's Neil. So he actually got a ticket for my man, Evan. Can we just give it up for Evan on the keys back here? This is like Evan's hip-hop thing, you know, with like the oversized jersey and like the hat. This is hip-hop. This is producer Evan. If you're looking to do a fire mixtape, this is your guy. <laughs> but so Evan comes to the White Sox game, and we've been grinding and, and just working out here and trying to push this church into the next level. And, and so it was just a really appropriate blessing from God to go. So we're there, and we're hanging out. Now, I just want to say, Yankees fans, do we have any Yankees fans in the house? Okay, okay, a couple of them. You guys are rabid, crazy, mangy, wild animals of fans. Like, there was a certain point where a lot of, out of reaction, the White Sox did something right, and we were like, woo! And people looked at us. There was foam coming out of their mouth. I heard guns being loaded. Like, I was like, what is happening in Yankee Stadium? I'm not making that up. It was scary to be for the Sox, right? And it was, and then at, at a certain point, it just got very eerie, where it was like, every time the White Sox, now they won that game, and we know they won it because we were there in spirit. And the anointing was in Yankee Stadium for the Sox. But we won that game, and it was weird because it was like every time the White Sox did something right, silence hit the stadium or people started to complain. And I said, I looked at Evan, and I said, Evan, we're about to do some co-writes on a message right now because I'm, I'm feeling something kicking for this last, 
last, last little thing we're going to do with Prodigy. So let's look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 4 through 12. Daniel chapter 3, verse 4 through 12. And for those of you who just got your new Bible and you're taking it for a ride right now, this, this is what it looks like. It's a little past halfway through the book. You're going to find Daniel. And we have this really interesting story. It's one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. And chapter three says this, it says, and we're looking at verse four, a herald then proclaimed in a loud voice, attention everyone, every race, color, and creed, listen. When you hear the band strike up all the trumpets and trombones, the tubas, the baritones, the drums and cymbals, fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Everyone who does not kneel and worship shall be thrown immediately into a roaring furnace. The band started to play, a huge band equipped with all the musical instruments of Babylon, and everyone, every race, color, and creed, they fell to their knees and they worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then what happened was these Babylonian fortune tellers, aw snaps, the gossips, the ones who are always running their mouth, the tattletale, your little brother or sister, stepped up and accused the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. They're sucking up. You gave strict orders, O king, that we would have this big band start playing and everyone fall to their knees. But we've got these three guys, these Jews named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have placed in high positions. You already, didn't you give them a high, aren't you paying these guys? Aren't these guys, didn't you give them this position? You gave them this position and they are ignoring you, the king. They don't respect your gods and they won't worship the gold statue that you set up. Now we got a problem. You guys know this story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Now I'm going to ask you a couple questions this morning in this message. And the first one I'm going to ask you is this. Does your jersey change depending on which stadium you're in? Now, you've heard of bandwagoners, right, a.k.a. 50% of all of the Cubs fans last year. <laughs> you've heard of people jumping ship, right? Like, it would be really easy for me to show up in Yankee Stadium and change my jersey with there, but I'm like, you know what? Even under the threat of death here in Yankee Stadium, I'm still going to be a Sox fan. <laughs> and my question to you today is, do you change your jersey depending on which stadium that you're in. Now, let me just tell you something. This is going to help, especially the single people. Who's single here? We got some single people in the room. There you go. Okay, look around. Look around. Take note. Take note. <laughs> who he is under pressure is who he is. Let me just say it again because I know it didn't click and penetrate through all of your dating twisted weird culture. Who he is under pressure is who he is. Do you understand what I just said? Do you change your jersey depending on which stadium you're in? And so what happens is as you get into relationships in life, people will reveal who they really are when they are under pressure. And so many times we get into new relationships thinking that, oh, man, you don't understand. We've been dating for six months. They could have been a six-month mirage. You better see them under pressure. The infatuation phase lasts a long time sometimes. Can I get an amen on that? Some of you went through a seven-year infatuation phase before they revealed who they were, really were. Can I get real this morning? Okay. <laughs> I'm touching a wound. What happened in this, in this era of history is you have these Jews, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are living in very high positions in a culture that has now turned his face from the true God and says we are going to actually bow down to an idol. And many historians believe that this idol was actually fashioned in the image and the likeness of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so they refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar in this idol. And so in effect, they were basically committing the highest treason in their culture. And so as the pressure was being applied, it revealed what they truly believed. Why is martyrdom valued so much in our culture? It's because in the face of the highest pressure that you can possibly face, they still choose Jesus. And so whether it's in a dating relationship or it's for Jesus, who you are under pressure is who you are. You might think you know who you are. I I used to lead a 30-person staff back home and would intentionally put pressure on people so that they could be revealed for who they really are. And I could say, okay, great, we got past the mask. You just cussed me out. Let's deal with it. And you know that happened. (laughs) James 1.8 says this in the New Living Translation, their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. Now, I don't know what's happening lately, but I've been finding money everywhere. Isn't that like the greatest feeling on the planet? Like found money is so much better than earned money, right? You're like, you know, like if I was ever a boss in a secular world, I would just drop their paychecks all around. Like I would hide it. So that they'd be like, yes, (laughs) keep finding money everywhere. But I found this the other day, and it's like a fragment of a $20 bill, okay? Now, I didn't know it was a fragment. It was kind of hiding out by the garbage, and I was like, oh, snaps, God. And I bent down and picked it up. I'm like, come on, this? And he's like, son, I'm trying to give you a monster point you're going to make during your message, but I I gave you something. I didn't give you the whole 20. (laughs) But let me read this scripture to you again. God responds to 100% commitment. So James 1.8 says, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So if you have some element of instability in your life, it is flowing from a place of divided loyalty. You can write that down. But let me explain something about this $20 bill. This is a real piece of money. This is not fake. But there's not enough of it for it to create value. So what happens in our culture is, yes, you are loyal, and it's real loyalty, but it's not enough to stabilize your life. Can I get an amen? It's not enough loyalty to actually produce value. And I think there's so much confusion. It's like, yeah, you're loyal to God, but you're loyal this much. It's real loyalty, but it's this much. Yes, you're loyalty, you're loyal to your wife, but this is how loyal you are to your wife. Ouch. Those are the truth shanks that Ross was talking about. He said, Pastor Mike's throwing truth shanks. But you know, I want to tell you that what God wants to do is complete your trust and your loyalty so that you stop changing your jersey every stadium you find yourself in. Because you come into church and you're like, Jesus, I love you. I'll do anything for you. And then you walk into the bar and you're like, line them up. (laughs) And everyone's like, what? (laughs) And your loyalty is switching no matter what environment you're in and God wants you to actually have the whole 
deal so that there's actually value in this loyalty. And when I do marriage counseling, there is so much of this going on. Well, you don't understand. I love my wife. You don't understand. I care about my wife. Okay, well, let me get this straight. You spent six gigs of your data on porn and you spent three megabytes on texting her her love relationship, which is words of encouragement. Come on now. You don't have the whole thing. Julia clap for that. <laughs> and the reason why we've got to deal with this double-mindedness is because it's creating an instability in your life and you don't know what it is to win if you keep changing teams. Because when the team wins, you done change sides and you lost anyways. So by keeping the jersey on, you go through the highs and the lows and it builds characters. By character in you by keeping the jersey on you know what it's like to have a loyalty to something you know what it's like to weather the storm you know what it's like to rebuild you know what it's like to dump the Gatorade but you got to keep the same jersey on is that all right my second question that I want to ask you in this place is do you feel like you're at an away game when you walk into your work do you feel like you're at an away game when you walk into your school do you feel like you're at an away game even when you walk into your own home? I'll be honest, after being a lifelong White Sox fan, walking to Yankee Stadium and watching every single thing they did be, be judged and criticized and the whole place go silent, I, I suddenly begin to think to myself, man, I've got some people in the room every Sunday who are trying to live by the standard and they're wearing the jersey of God's word and they're wearing the jersey of team church and, and they're wearing the jersey of disciple and cross Christ follower and cross bearer and, and yet they walk into home and it feels like everything they're doing is the right thing but they're being judged like it's the wrong thing and it's this upside down culture. And you just are like bearing that weight on you of feeling like you're constantly at an away game. Let me just, this is so crazy when you read Daniel chapter 3 because music actually accompanied the idol worship. Music accompanied the idol worship. So every single time King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you to do the opposite of what you're called to do and I want you to actually worship this idol, the band struck up and they learned this thing and you know that the people who worship this idol, it was probably like their favorite song, like boom, there's that song, come on, let's go, time to worship the idol again. Maybe the song was, I'm on the highway. <laughs> Maybe the song was, I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Maybe it was, I got a feeling. Wrong key, Evan. Woo! Right? And every single time that song started, an entire nation in unison started to worship this idol. And in our world today, there are soundtracks to sin. In our world today, there are songs that are being crafted and devised. And I'm not saying throw your phone in the garbage and trying to preach a religious sermon. What I'm saying is... The enemy is so, so clever about how he is connecting and weaving into your life these, this montage where it's like, oh, there's a song. It's time to go. It's funny because doesn't all pre-gaming happen to a soundtrack? Am I right? Am I the only one? You're afraid to say yes too loud because you're sitting next to your mom. I understand. But all pre-gaming happens to a soundtrack and our whole life is being woven into this tapestry of idol worship. 
And it's like, come on, it's time to go. It's time to do it. And, and so it was funny because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were so loyal and so single-minded for God that even though the, the cleverness and, and of that song began to play, they were not falling into the temptation of changing teams and changing jerseys because it was who they were under pressure. Let me, let me read this. There was a soundtrack to their disobedience and rebellion to God, so bowing to this idol was normal. So what three men were doing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was doing was abnormal. So let me ask you this. What do you do if God's standard for how you live is abnormal in a culture that's normalized disobedience and rebellion to God? What do you do? There's a compromise that's going to be made in that moment. It's either going to be you or them. Maybe when you're at home, the things that are normal are happening all around you, but you know that they're actually demonic. Maybe the things that are happening all around you that you've seen in marriage is normal, but it's not God's will for marriage and the design of marriage and how it should be. And so what happens is there's this warfare over the word normal. And the enemy is fighting so hard, and he's like, if I can get enough people doing it in culture, I win the culture war, and I own the word normal, so that when Christians start living according to a biblical standard, that becomes abnormal and weird, and people are less likely to do it under pressure. And that's the biggest lie that some of you guys have been convinced of in your life is living what you thought was normal. But look at what normal produces. It produces so much dysfunction. That's a normal marriage? That, that marriage wounded me. That, that's normal, the way that my employer is treating me, the way that I go through the daily existence in my work environment is normal? Well, that's wounding me. You know, if this is the way life should be, I don't even want to live this life. Have you ever heard that before? And then all of a sudden you come into V1 Church and some crazy guy's wearing Mickey gloves in the parking lot and the spirit of joy is there. And then the music begins to play and you're saying, this soundtrack sounds different than the madness and the chaos that I've been turning up to the whole time. I, I feel the gravity of the atmosphere changing because this soundtrack isn't the one that Babylon is playing right now. This isn't the soundtrack that the idol worshiping is going down to every week. There's something different about this music. It's the same instruments, but it's a different sound. It's this sound from heaven that's a distant place that's calling your name. And you begin to feel this pull on your heart. You begin to feel this attraction. And it's saying, no, do not bend your knees to that but stand and embrace me as your father and some of you guys have been broken down to your knees by the systems of the world that have convinced you that what they do is the right way and normal but God today is saying no more in your life and the last thing that I want to break down for you in Daniel chapter 3 verse 24 and 25 is this says, suddenly King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in an alarm and said, didn't we throw three men bound hand and foot into the fire? The penalty for not bowing to their version of normal was to be thrown in the fire. And they actually got this fire 10 times hotter to the point that the men who tried to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into that fire actually died trying to kill them. And as they're standing in the fire not being burned, not being consumed, and miraculously surviving this execution, the king looks into the fire and says, have I not only sent three, there is a fourth person in the fire. 
And the thing that some of you guys need to know in this place is that God will reveal himself most clearly to your enemies when you learn how to worship in the fire. Some of the loved ones that you have in your life that I, I want you to know the truth of who God is so badly. God's like, start worshiping me in the fire. And when they look, they won't see you, but they'll see me with you. You can either focus on the first person in the fire or the bad leader who put you there. You can either put the focus on your circumstance and who puts you there and whose fault it is and who's to blame that you're going through the fire of life right now and you can be a victim or you can stand in that fire and worship and as you worship, all of a sudden, God begins to reveal who he is in the midst of that worship and all your friends around you will say, it is undeniable. I've got friends who are still stuck in atheism, but the way that God has delivered me from alcoholism, the way that God has put me on my two feet, the way that God is blowing this church out and people are getting free, they're saying something is happening that's undeniable. There is truly a fourth person in the fire with him. And you can either focus on the fourth person in the fire with you this morning or the bad leader who put you there, the culture that didn't understand, the culture that just destroyed your mind and your standard. The way some of us would tell this story would be all about Nebuchadnezzar and how he wronged you. All about the stepdad who abused you. All about the guy who gave you alcohol for the first time. All about the girl who did heroin with you for the first time. If you were telling the story, that would be the emphasis. It would be on the person who did the thing to you. But what God wants you to understand is when everyone is against you, God says, I am for you and I know the plans that I have for you plans for good and not for evil. And before the foundations of the world, God had predestined that you would be sitting in this auditorium this morning to hear these words. There are people in your life, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were being teased. They were being bullied. They were constantly being told that they were stupid, that they didn't have it all figured out. There are people in your life who are pulling on you in every direction, and they just don't understand what you're doing. But I'm going to tell you, first you're misunderstood, and then you're emulated. See, if you're two steps ahead, you're the leader. But if you're 10 steps ahead, you could be the martyr sometimes. And there are people who are watching you right now who are like, I don't understand why they wake up and go to church. That's crazy. I don't understand why they set that stuff up, why they worship. I don't understand why they don't do this and they don't do that. I don't understand. I just don't get it. But the first step is them making fun of you, and the last step is them following you while you do it. Because what happened after the king watched them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fire with literally the manifest presence of God, Jesus in that fire with them, is he said, surely your God has delivered you, and now this whole nation now will have to serve your God. And everything was completely flipped in that era. Don't be afraid of the pressure and the heat of the fire. Because God will be there with you and you will change a culture by worshiping under pressure. How are we going to change Long Island? How are we going to change this place? How are we going to bring God's presence here so that everyone knows it's going to be them watching us worship under pressure and saying, man, I don't understand what's different about them. The last thing I want to tell you this morning is this. A distant crowd cheers even when it's silent where you stand. 
When we were in Yankee Stadium, it, it was dead silent as, as the White Sox won. But I looked at Evan. I said, Evan, a thousand miles away from here, Chicago is erupting right now and going crazy. There is another place that we don't see with our eyes, that we don't even hear with our natural ears, that is going absolutely ballistic as the White Sox are doing their thing right now and tearing up the Yankees. And I looked at him and I said, this, this is such a revelation from God, a distant crowd cheers, even when it's silent where you stand. And I pray right now that as I say that sentence, that it deposits in somebody's gut. And this week, as you make a stand for God, this week, as you make a stand in your marriage, and, this, and you begin to go through this, this wrestling under pressure, under fire, you remember that a distant crowd is cheering you on. Because every single time you live according to the standard of this word, every single time that you say, I will choose to live the way this says the truth is about how to live, every single time that you say, I will take that stand, it might be silent where you stand at home where nobody gets it. It might be silent where you stand at work where nobody gets it, but I'm telling you, Team Jesus and heaven is blowing the roof off and they are cheering you on and they're saying, go, Ozzy, go. Come on, go, 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 Julie, go, Raina, go. Come on, Doug, don't give up, go, go. And it might be silent where you stand, but I'm telling you in heaven, they're cheering us on because they don't have legal access to be here on earth, but you've got a dirt body and you've got a destiny on your life. And you're the one on the field right now. And God in all of heaven is saying, stand up and do what you've been called to do. Every resource you need, I got it for you. I can pay the bill, but I can't have the faith for you. You've got to stand up and have the faith. And they're cheering you on. And they're saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can do it. It's someone in this place. God is speaking to you right now. Come on. Come on. It's not silent in heaven. And if you don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. Because there's always going to be an audience for your obedience. There's always going to be an audience for your obedience. There's always going to be an audience for your obedience. And there's always going to be an audience for your disobedience. My daughters need me to be generous. They need me to have integrity. They need me to stand for something. They need me to have a backbone. They need me. That's my audience. Who's watching you in this place? It's time to stop changing your jersey. It's time to put on Team Jesus. It's time to say, I'm ready to go all in. I'm not going to stand on the sidelines anymore. I'm going V1 and I'm taking flight with this crew right here because King Nebuchadnezzar is still out there making decrees and making threats, but there's still a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said, I'm not gonna bow my knees to that garbage, because I got the feeling everything's gonna be awesome. And I wanna encourage you in this place. It's cool to be a Christian. It's cool to stand for God. Maybe you've been the victim of bullying your entire life. But it's cool to be in this crew, man. We're, we're weird and we're okay with it. We're broken and we're not okay with being broken, but we know we're not staying there. And I'm okay to give you grace on your journey if you make a promise to give me grace too. Is that all right? Because we have an audience for our obedience. And in the areas of your life where you pour out forgiveness, and this is for somebody in the room, I'm just speaking prophetically right now. 
you have said that there is somebody in your life you will never forgive but there is an audience for your forgiveness and other people's freedom is so connected to your forgiveness that it will create a literal movement within your family. There's somebody here, like I see in the spirit right now, there's like there's like a janitor's keys hanging on your uh, belt. You ever seen like a janitor's keys? Like somebody's destiny is getting ready to shift today. Like it's over. Like God's not playing games anymore in your life. And I see that on the janitor's keys, they're big because all those keys represent your family's bondage and they're hanging on your loop because you're the one to start the the freedom cycle in your family and you've been saying who you will and won't forgive and God's like that's funny because I don't even play that game I forgive all who come to me and ask forgiveness so who do you have permission to hold unforgiveness to because I don't even play that game and so today somebody is going to step into another level of freedom and as you unhook those keys and you choose, there is an audience for your obedience. And as that happens, there is a cycle of forgiveness that's gonna ripple through your family. And you're gonna tell that testimony on video for V1 Church and mark my words, mark this pastor's words, it's gonna happen. Who's watching you? You know, we know the world is watching the church because they're so critical of us. It's hard to be critical if you're not watching the details. But they don't watch us to be critical. They're watching us hoping that there's something real about what we're doing. And then they see all the mess looking for the real thing. And when I show up to this church on a Sunday morning and I see you guys hugging and loving each other and wiping tears from your eyes as you pray for these seats and everyone that'll sit in this seat, I'm praying that as the world puts V1 Church under a microscope, they're saying, I didn't know that was there. That is real. I felt God when I walked into that place. I felt God when they shook my hand. I felt God when they embraced me with a hug. And that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. What I want to do right now is this. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down and we're going to be on both sides of the media tables. And you know, understand that the Holy Spirit is Jesus unleashed, which means, yeah, my job might be to steward this house as the lead pastor, but the Holy Spirit is in this prayer team with just as much power as you'll ever have. I'll ever have and they're gonna and God's empowered them to pray for you and, and your miracle is in this room right now I'm not afraid to say it I've seen it and we're gonna see it again today and as they begin to pray for you guys who are here something is gonna change in your life God's gonna give them words to speak into your spirit and you're gonna know that there's no way they could have known those things but here's what I want to do and I, I just want everyone to close your eyes and just make a moment right now with God and the reason why we close our eyes is because we are such a visual generation and we are so inundated with information that we miss the many, many times that God is desperately crying out to us because we hear with our eyes. And you're not closing your eyes out of a religious protocol. You're closing your eyes because I want you to open your spiritual ears. So every person in this place under the sound of my voice, the Holy Spirit has been drawing you. You could be anywhere else in the world, but you couldn't be anywhere else in the world. And you need to know that you can never earn salvation. It's freely given by Jesus. 
and all you have to do is accept it that's how he keeps it a gift because gifts are only accepted never earned and so God wants you to just receive the gift of salvation when we talked about the blood of Jesus it's the only thing strong enough to wash you clean and make you white and new and whole as if there was no blemish no spot no dirt and when you hear us say that my sin was great but his love was greater it was when that blood spilled on the cross and if you're here and you're saying I want to confess with my mouth that I need that kind of love and I want to accept Jesus Christ today and make a commitment to follow him with everything I've got and put that jersey on and be a real prodigy, not in my own ability, but a prodigy through the strength of team. It's me and Jesus, me and my church, me and my pastors, me and my team. With every eye closed, will you just raise your hand right now and say, I want Jesus. Just keep your hand up high. Just stretch it up high. Just say, yes, this is you making a commitment. This is you saying yes completely and wholly with your entire being. Just put your hands down. So what I'm going to do is on the count of three, and this might be a little different than some of you guys are used to. On the count of three, I'm going to ask that if you raise your hand, you come out of your seats and you come down to these blue sections that we have on either side of the table and allow the prayer team to begin praying for you believing that they're going to finish what we started with this message on the count of three so one today you woke up with a destiny with a plan god did not make a mistake when he made you because he does not make junk and he's about to reveal who you really are too come on it's time to well up the courage inside of you let that faith begin to arise because it's time to step into your future three right now come out of your seats and begin to come down let's give it up for everyone as they just come out of their seats now Come on, just continue to come, continue to come. People are crossing over from death to life right now. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.